Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Jared Martin of Urban Northwest Homes. Jared is the director of construction and one of the owners over at Urban Northwest. And he and I had a great conversation today about his transition into construction and also did a little bit more of a deep dive into the world of green building, energy efficiency, and kind of everything in that world. Really enjoyed this conversation. So Let's dive in. Again, this is Jared Martin of Urban Northwest Homes. Hey, Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for today. Give everyone just a, a quick rundown. Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located? Well, my name is Jared Martin and we're located in Vancouver, Washington. Our company is Urban Northwest Homes and we are a green builder kind of leading the industry from a national standpoint with the National Green Building Standard Certified Homes out here on the West. Every home that we build is is to an NGBS level and it's third-party verified and you know it's tried and true. We believe in it. And, you know, we, we build about 50 to 70, 80 homes a year and you know stay busy, busy out here in, in Vancouver. That's cool. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you're super busy right now. Well let's rewind the clock a little bit. How did the company start and when was that? Well our company started in roughly 2008. So <laughs> good timing, <laughs> right? At the perfect time. I had a, I've got a real good friend, business partner, Troy Johns is his name. And he's actually the founder. He's a son of a developer and got into the building industry kind of out of necessity. I'm from Idaho. So I moved out in 99 and the son of a contractor and a teacher. And I was actually a middle school PE teacher for a lot of years out here in Vancouver while I was building, selling, developing, you know, doing real estate kind of on the side. We could have probably have a whole episode out of middle school, locker room, antics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I was curious, where where in Idaho? I'm from Lewiston, Idaho. Okay. I'm not super familiar with that. I got family in the like just south of Sun Valley area and like Haley and Ketchup and Ketchum, that sort of area. So yeah, gorgeous. I've got Lewiston is, I tell people out here all the time, Lewiston's about where Washington, Idaho, and Oregon all kind of come together. Snake River, Hell's Canyon, Clearwater River, you know, gorgeous country. Yeah. Lots of outdoorsy things to do. So uh, <laughs> a lot of people ask me what I'm doing out here and why I'm not back there. But <laughs> <laughs> Fair got, question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of opportunity out here and we're just, you know, we're busy. So and we enjoy it. Lots of things to do out here too. We started in 2008. Like I said, my friend and, you know, became, we became business partners. He was a developer, had a whole bunch of land, a whole bunch of lots and the recession hit. And so we would, you know, always talk about just strategies. What's, what's the best way to build a house? What, you know, if we're starting a new company, what should we hang our hats on? What's important to us? And, you know, how do you, how do we get going? I was kind of dabbling while I was teaching, working with him. He dove in head first, like I said, basically out of necessity to, to sell lots. 
And we would come together quite often. And really, he did a lot of research on the National Green Building Standard and mm. got me involved. And, you know, I actually, well, he and I together built the first NGBS rated home here in Washington State. Might have been on the West Coast as well. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So we just had a look back. You know, we, we started building homes and, you know, got through the recession, got some momentum, had plenty of property, uh, really developed a, a brand and a name. And now, like I said, we, we do uh, quite a bit of work out here. I always feel like in this industry, people have a tough time finding their point of differentiation. You know, you see a lot of websites that are family owned for 20 plus years, you know, quality work, you know, those can be, but they're very loose. Like everybody can kind of hang their hats on a lot of those types of things. But it sounds like you guys actually intentionally started kind of down that green path. Can you just share a little bit about why you did that? And then maybe even in those first early years, like did it actually, do you feel like it was positioning you differently and, and winning you business or or was it not really a factor? Yeah, we started, kind of the backstory is Troy and his family suffer from some asthma, allergy, you know, respiratory type of thing. So indoor air quality and health was, was really important to him. My wife is actually a biologist. So, you know, she's about uh, preserving and, you know, a smaller footprint and, you know, the impact that we have just kind of on our, on our area and and the world in general. So we've had lots of conversations at home about, you know, preserving versus developing and, you know, really trying to have this clear path to have the best of both worlds. And then I was always interested in energy efficiency and and tech and how can we build, you know, a, a home that doesn't cost as much to operate or maybe uses less materials or, you know, you, you get the same, the same outcome with just fewer demand on our resources. So having, you know, lots of conversation and meetings, we, we really, and again, Troy, he researched the NGBS and brought it to me and, you know, we talked about it and it really hits on all of those things. Hmm. It's not just a real narrow focus. It's a very broad approach to green building. And, you know, it has, has to, has to do with sustainability, durability, health, indoor, indoor air quality, wellness energy efficiency, and then homeowner education. So once you have this awesome house, how do you operate and live in it? What's the best way to, you know, yeah. be there? So that's super yeah. cool. Yeah. And so as you guys were, were going down that path and you're having, I'm, I'm sure you had lots of conversations with homeowners and as they were thinking about the home they wanted to build or they wanted to live in, what were some of the like conversations or reactions and responses that you were getting maybe in the first several years? Because I think it probably looks different today than it did then. Yeah. When we first started with our first home, it was really about training up the subcontractors. Our subs mm-hmm. didn't, weren't really used to it. You know, they were kind of stuck in these old ways. So we really dove into advanced framing techniques. And with advanced framing techniques, it was, you can actually, you know, save 10, 15% or so of, you know, your, your, your dimensional lumber in a house. So you're, you're really, it costs a little bit less to build the structure building two foot on center stud walls as opposed to 16 inch on center stud walls. And there's just less wood in it, which makes more room for insulation. So you have a better, higher performing home is more comfortable to live in as well. So it was really training the subcontractors, trying to get them on board with, you know, air leakage, duct testing, advanced framing, and all these things to just make a better house that didn't cost as much to operate and perform better in the long run. Then we approached our home buyers and we we said, here's the value with this. And it's it's a shorter ROI than you would think. You know, it, some of these, some of the equipment costs a little bit more, but there's 
less lumber in it. So, you know, engineering and designing and things like that, you can, you can really save some costs and ROI is not that far out there. So it wasn't a really hard pit, but we started with kind of the miles per gallon approach. Mm. You know, this, this house gets better miles per gallon than the neighbor's house. And here's the third party verification. It's not just me, the builder telling you that somebody else is testing and verifying that that is indeed the truth. So that was really kind of where we started was here's the proof. It's more bang for your buck, better miles per gallon, you know, and it looks the same and, but feels better, more comfortable, healthier, you know, those things. Yeah. Yeah. I like that analogy, the, the miles per gallon. Yeah. I would imagine between that, like helping it click for home buyers and then the third party verification, getting people to say like, okay, this is legit. It's not just like a, a marketing tactic or something like that. So what were maybe some of those early challenges and it doesn't have to be related to you know what you guys were doing on the the green building side but just you know you started in 08 and you know the first few years like what were the big stumbling blocks there was nobody to buy houses <laughs> <laughs> that's fair yeah that's a big stumbling block <laughs> i mean nobody could, yeah nobody could so it was you know very much about building the brand and getting the word out there what we did that was it was pretty unique is you know we would approach municipalities and try to get you know different government people on board with the National Green Building Standard. If you build a higher performing home, there's less demand on, you know, the, the city's infrastructure. So there's less demand on water and sewer and power grid, things like that. So getting people to understand what we were working on, and there's even been some local municipalities that have adopted the NGBS as their, you know, their preferred green building standard. So getting the word out there, trying to get more people on board with what we're, and then you know we're we're doing events and marketing and training real real estate agents, training appraisers. That was actually pretty challenging uh, <laughs> because they couldn't see what we were doing. They couldn't touch it, yeah. feel it, see it. So we had to have lots of classes, lots of trainings. We just devoted a bunch of time in the home that we were building to class classes and education, bringing in those government people and showing them what we're doing and. You know, getting a lot of people on board. And then, you know, the lending loosened up a little bit and we were set with a lot of lots and a cool product and a good story and the sales, you know, they came. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It sounds like, you know, the first, I don't know, however long that was, but you were laying a lot of that groundwork, you know, and I'm sure that paid dividends, but you didn't see it until, you know, kind of home buying activity started to come back around. But since you had been doing all that education, having the conversations, then you were probably primed to kind of go a little faster at that point. I'm curious is how big a factor is education today? You know, fast forwarding, you know, 10, 12 years, do you guys still have a large focus around that? Or does it feel like more people know about different options that they have and you don't need to do as much? Yeah, I think education is still big. People are people are very aware of energy efficiency. One of our things that we would tell our buyers is a code built house is basically the worst house allowable, you know, without building something that would put you in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you build to such a low standard when there are lots of ways, lots of better ways, techniques or equipment, whatever the case may be, but a, a much better way to, you know, to build a home. So that that's kind of part of the education is getting people on board with, okay, I'm going to be more comfortable. I'm going to be healthier. You know, we have better indoor air quality than just a, a code built house. Looking at all the products inside your house and, you know, how does that affect you? 
that affect your family. So education and then training people how to maintain and, you know, furnace filters and cleaning gutters and moisture management, you know, all the things associated with just good, healthy homes, making sure people know that they've got to maintain to, you know, to continue the desired effect. So the homeowner education piece doesn't just end when we deliver the keys. It's still good communication, follow-up emails, you know, website links and things, and then having, you know, good warranty, good people that are still working with clients, you know, after they've been moved in and lived there for, you know, a year and beyond. Yeah. How long do you think it takes new homeowners that haven't, this is new territory for them, you know, to really understand how to live in that environment, how to, you know, coming from maybe more a traditional home or something like that? Is it, is it a steep learning curve? Is it a, you know, pretty quick? I know. Sounds like you guys do a lot of communication education around, but I'm just curious, like, is it like, oh, this is weird or, or this is cool. Like, this is different, you know, like how long does it take until they're like, oh, okay, this is normalized now. <laughs> when the building market was a little slower, a lot of those clients were were coming to us and they they knew what they wanted. The learning curve was, I don't, I don't know, it was maybe flat because we were kind of training each other. <laughs> <You know? laughs> sure. They have, a lot of our clients have a lot to offer or you know, have, have ideas about just different things and we have good conversation. But to somebody that doesn't know much about green building or, you know, kind of the, the, the way homes are put together or off-gassing, you know, things like that, we, we have lots of conversation about why you should build this way. And, you know, that, that learning curve is, I mean, it starts pretty steep, but then it, after we get into it, it kind of ignites with most, you know, a little fire and people start doing more research about, okay, why is this important? And they, you know, most people come around and they're like, yeah, that's, that was a good choice. We made a good decision. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Thinking about your journey from, you know, just getting started right in the, in the heart of it with, you know, low sales to no sales going on just to where you guys are today, you know, 50 to 80 homes a year. In thinking about that journey, what do you think has been the most challenging part of that just as a business owner and yeah, growing that? Number one, I think it's conversations and, and training your sub base. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, you're, you know, as a general contractor, I'm only as good as my worst subcontractor's worst employee that day. That's how, that's really how good we are. So 
we got to make sure that everybody's on board and everybody knows what the goal and the mission is when we're building new houses. And we build, you know, townhouses, common wall type houses, all the way to multi-million dollar, you know, custom homes with gorgeous views and riverfront, you know, all that stuff and everything in between. And that that's really a part of our mission statement is we believe that you know every house, no matter what the price point, deserves to be a high-performing third-party NGBS rated home. So everybody, you know, should be able to benefit from green building and green building techniques. Uh, but training our subcontractors was Lots of meetings, um, researching products, so getting vendors on board, you know, carry products that we want or having conversations about, you know, something that's new to the industry. What's the latest, greatest? Is that something that's important to us and important to other folks? Should we use that? Should we make it a standard? So building just kind of the base of how, how do we want every home to be built? What products do we want to set as a standard? That, you know, that was, that was difficult. Building a two-story, you know, box, 2000 square foot box is that's a piece of cake. You can make it super efficient, make it super healthy. It can be pretty cost effective, but as soon as you give it interest, you know, then you've got all these spots where, well, there's more penetrations or there's less room for insulation, or there's, you know, all these challenges or a lot more windows to take advantage of views. Mm -hmm. And how do we make sure that we're getting the U value out of the windows, and identifying this, you know, so solar heat gain and where do we glaze all those things that give homes interest makes it more difficult to build from a green perspective. So having good conversations, talking to vendors, you know, talking to realtors, those things, getting everybody on board. And then we're this united front, building higher performing homes, better homes, you know, for our clients to benefit from. Yeah, I would imagine I could see going from, you know, just the box as you described it to adding any, you know, sort of dynamic after that adds a level of complexity. And yeah. I'm also curious, you know, you shifted from like the the school environment to, you know, being involved in in business. What was the biggest shocker or something that surprised you the most about that transition of a professions we'll call it? Being an educator, you know, we I knew where I was going every day. You know, it was a little bit of a, a groundhog effect, you know, groundhog day effect. It was kind of the same thing year after year. You know, different groups of kids and I really enjoyed. I was I was a PE and health teacher, so I really got to have, you know, good quality time. I coached every sport. So, but, you know, in that environment, I, I knew where I was going. I knew what I was going to be doing. I could see the the path and where it was going to end after a hundred years of teaching. I might <laughs> sure. <better> retire. Yeah. <laughs> so that, jumping over and having the flexibility to, you know, to, to create, to work with, you know, amazing subcontractors and vendors, to have amazing employees, you know, whether it be, office staff, marketing, sales, you know, and then our construction team being around, you know, really good groups of people. And that's a challenge too. I actually listened to one of your other podcasts and I don't want to steal what he said, but employees finding the good ones, retaining the good ones. I think in any business, it's a challenge. In teaching, you know, you you had to have a degree and you went through interview process and boom, there you are. But you know, I, now I get to say, okay, I, I you know, I want to work with these good people and do my best to keep them. So, you know, that's very different. From yeah. 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 I would say so. Yeah. There's, we could probably talk for an hour about all the differences, but yeah, I find, I don't know when I first started my business, it was just like, I don't know, you just go in so naive or at least I did. And it was like, some things it's fine, but some things you're like, Oh yeah, of course it wouldn't actually be like this, you know? So you just kind of have these moments throughout that journey. But yeah, I'm curious too. Have you had any just like, 
crazy projects or wacky client stories or, you know, anything that was just like a little off the wall that you can share? Obviously you can leave out personal details or anything like that. Yeah. Well, we had a client that has still suffers from a severe, severe mold allergy. And working with this person, we learned about other things that he suffers from. He's got chemical sensitivity. So we built a home for a family that you know needed a very healthy home. And in order to kind of vet the products that we were proposing, I mean, he proposed several products, but there were things that we were proposing. And you know, I, I told him, I said, here's some samples, go home and sleep with them. <laughs> Make sure that, you know, they're, they're, they're all they're touching you and you're breathing, you know, here, here you go. Make sure you don't, you know. And so I, I learned a lot by working with this client because, you know, it was really his home is a, a matter of life and death. Yeah. And it, it really opened my eyes to, you know, what is, what are end products that we're putting in new homes and how can they affect people that are living there? I, I believe the statistic is there, there are approximately 90 known carcinogenic chemicals in the new car smell. Hmm. So what you're smelling, we've trained our brain that that's a, that's an awesome smell. Like that's, that's what everybody wants, mm-hmm. but, but they're cancer causing chemicals that you're breathing in. And wow. you know, that it's the same with the new home smell is we don't want people coming into our houses and going, Oh, this smells great. You know, this is, smells like a new home. We want them to come in and just kind of go, yeah, it doesn't smell like anything. Hmm, and that, you know, that means the home's not off gassing and you know, you're, you're not breathing in things that are potentially bad for you. So working with this client really opened my eyes to, you know, what, what's out there. And I might butcher this statistic, but I did hear that at one point in time, there were, you know, only eight or nine, some really low number of new chemicals coming to the market that were tested and fully vetted by, you know, government agencies. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of new products come to the market every year that have chemicals in them where the product works, it performs as built, but we don't know how those chemicals affect us when we're breathing them in all day or touching them or sleeping on them or whatever the case may be. So most of the products coming to market had stuff in them that we didn't know what it was and how it would affect us. And we just couldn't test, you know, the government can't test them. We don't have time to test and bet and do all these things. So that's where I like the National Green Building Standard is they've got, it's all, there's a lab, I think it's in Maryland and it's Home Innovation Lab and Mm. they test and burn and blow up and, you know, test all. So if if it's got a, a stamp on it, you know, Home Innovation tested or something like that, it's been tested and certified and you know, you, you know what it is. Unfortunately, we can't test and certify everything. So, you know, we do our best, but this homeowner really opened my eyes to, you know, we really need to do a good job with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I would imagine it means that you guys adopting new things, you have to move a little bit slower sometimes waiting for stuff to get tested or testing yourself or finding a way to kind of go through that process. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. I got a few more questions for you, Jared, as we wrap up, but like, what does the future look like? You know, you know, if you think about like where you guys started, where you are today as like the first half or the first phase, like what is the next, what does the next phase look like for you guys? I think where we're going is, you know, COVID really made people think about what's going on in their house, how they're living in their home. 
stuff here and you know unfortunately and you know do, do we like our space is our space healthy so thinking about design and you know multi-generational design working from home design really design and how you know how livable are are the plans i think how flexible are they to you know to be able to accept different life changes and things like that. One of the things that we've really hung our hat on that we didn't talk about is kind of age in place design as well. And, you know, I believe that if you, we do our best to future proof our homes. So energy codes are, you know, very stringent. Different states are talking about net zero by, you know, you know, the, the near future in 2030, somewhere there. And Washington state is kind of, one of the leaders in reducing carbon production and building homes that are at least net zero ready, if not net zero here in the near future. So we committed to electric car charging circuits in every one of our houses, just having them ready, the garages ready for electric car charging. We're doing several houses now that are net zero ready and you know certifying them to with all kinds of different certifications. But age in place design is one of them. So wider hallways, wider doors, fewer barriers, things like that where if you're injured, and this actually happened to me. So when I was living with my parents, I tore my, both of my ACLs. I mean, oh, not at the same geez. time, but I lived in the basement. My bedroom was in the basement. I just remember navigating the stairs and getting out of tubs, that stuff, you know, and it, with crutches. And, and a lot of people, not just injury, you know, physical challenges or mobility challenges or just, you know, aging. And we're all going to need fewer barriers, you know, in our living space, we can help it. So building a home that's more future-proof, ready for not just energy codes, but, you know, ready for aging in place. And you may not, or the, the buyer, you know, may not take advantage of that, but the next person in line may. Mm-hmm. So having homes that are just better thought through, future-proofed, ready for life changes or, you know, just thing curveballs that are thrown at us all the time. I really, I really believe in that. Staying ahead of, you know, in our market of, of the codes, ener- you know, from energy and health, wellness and durability, trying to stay ahead of the market on that stuff, I think is, is very important. So every house that we build will be third party verified, better and higher performing home. And, you know, looking at electricity and less natural gas, I think natural gas is kind of going away. You know, that's a whole other conversation, but looking at electricity and heat pumps and health and you know, lower VOCs and smaller carbon footprint and all those things moving forward. I think that's going to be room. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's fun to to think about that. And I like, there's like a huge intentionality, you know, component behind it. Like thinking about, you called it future proofing, but yeah. And thinking about the second buyer of that home or the third buyer, the fourth, you know, could it, could it last through that? And what does that change about how you build it today? I think that's a cool thought process to go down. We built a home for a couple that they had to have the aging place design. So they were Mm. retirees and one level and, you know, no barriers, all that that things. But they put a massive solar array on their roof. Their house was set up to take advantage of, uh, you know, solar. And there's no way that they're going to live long enough to fully realize ROI on the solar array that they installed. But she was very adamant. She's like, I, I know I won't, but the next person will. She mm-hmm. said, so I'm going to leave this place better than what I found it by, you know, having this massive solar array on the home that's going to continue to produce electricity, whoever owns it, you know, and uh, have less demand on the grid, you know, when she's long gone. 
Yeah. 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 That's cool. And I'm sure you'll start seeing that and hearing that from more and more people. Well, Jared, if you could leave us with some final words of wisdom or one piece of advice and for other, you know, design build folks, remodelers, custom builders like yourself, what do you want to leave people with? Well, I, I've challenged other people. So I'd like to, you know, take an opportunity just to challenge people in our industry to do better, to build beyond code, to think, think about, you know, how their clients are not just, you know, enjoying the home that they're in, but how the home affects them when they're, when they're in the home. And then, you know, having a smaller impact and really like this other client said, leave this world better than the, better than how you found it. So that's, I think the best way to do it is to have third-party verification certification, have other people come in and make sure that you are doing what you're saying you're doing. And it's going to reduce the impact that the home that you're building, you know, has in the community and, you know, state and country. So I really challenge people to take a look at the NGBS. You can go to NGBS.com and, uh, you know, think about how that, and, and there's also, a, there's NGBS for remodelers as well. So it's not just single family residence builders, it's multifamily, it's remodeling. So it's very broad and all encompassing. That, that would be the thing that I would leave everybody, leave you with is to challenge yeah. everybody to build a better, build a better home. Cool. Cool. I like it. Well, good stuff, Jared. And yeah, I really appreciate you spending the time with me today. Thanks so much. Yeah, you bet. Good to meet you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.